Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Hello and welcome back to our journey through the book of Leviticus. Today is Leviticus 25. And I just got to tell you, this is my favorite chapter in the entire book of Leviticus because of just what it means and the goodness of God. If I were to give you an overall principle for this, it would simply be God makes all things new. What we're going to look at is we're going to, you know, don't forget this idea that this was a slave nation that God had set free and he wants them to stay free and he wants to teach them healthy boundaries. And so one of the things that he teaches them to do is to work hard, of course, but then he teaches them to rest hard, to take time, to, to really not just take time for yourself, but also take time for everything around you, to let your the land rest, to let the animals rest, just to, just to rest. And it's just beautiful to see how God gives them always a chance to return back to that center. And it's going to be great. So the first several verses, we're going to look at how every seven years, they took an entire year off, Okay. So not only do you get off once every seven days, you take a day off once every seven days, you have festivals throughout the year that you take off. And then for one year, you take a year off. You let the land rest. So in other words, on that sixth year, God is going to bless you so much so that you can rest. It's just it's this amazing idea. And then we're going to look at the year of Jubilee, which is amazing, and how you get a chance to redeem your property. And it's just, it's just beautiful. So we're going to read through this and just imagine, once again, this slave nation who is being set free and then taught how to live well. So it's just just wonderful. So if you have your Bibles, New Living Translation, chapter 25, you want to pause and get it ready. Let's read this together. It's absolutely wonderful. Here we go. First one. While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I am giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years, you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But during the seventh year, the land must have a a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year. And don't store away the crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. This applies to you your male and female servants, your hired workers, and your temporary residents who live with you. Your livestock and the wild animals in your land must also be allowed to eat what the land produces. Verse 8. This is talking about jubilee and release. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then, on the Day of Atonement in the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you, when each of you may return to the land that belonged to you and your ancestors and return to your own clan. This 50th year will be a jubilee year for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the crops that grow on their own. And don't gather the grapes from your unpruned vines. It will be a jubilee year for you, and you must keep it holy, but you may eat whatever the land produces on its own. So pause. So what happens is, is that six years, you work, you do normal, 
And then on the seventh year, you don't go and you don't plant. Now, if you've ever had a garden or anything like that, because of some of the grain and the seeds that fall on their own, there's going to be a, a crop that produces naturally. But you're, you're going to let it be natural. And then what you're doing is you're actually re-enriching the soil. You're giving the soil a chance to rest. But then on the seventh, seventh time this happens, so on the 49th year, you have a special year. And on that year, you do the same thing, but then watch what else happens. Verse 13, in the year of Jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. When you make an agreement with your neighbor to buy or sell property, you must not take advantage of one another. When you buy from your neighbor, the price you pay must be based on the number of years since the last jubilee. The seller must set the price by taking into account the number of years remaining until the next year of jubilee. The more years until the next jubilee, the higher the price, and the fewer the years, the lower the price. After all, the person selling the land is actually selling you a certain number of harvests. Show your fear of God by not taking advantage of each other. I am the Lord, your God. If you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Then the land will yield a large crop and you will eat your fill and live securely in it. But you might ask, what will we eat during the seventh year since we are not allowed to plant or harvest crops that year? Be assured, I will send my blessing for you in the sixth year so the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. Then you will, when you plant your fields in the eighth year, you will still be eating from the crop from the sixth year. In fact, you will still be eating from that crop when the new crop is harvested on the ninth year. Isn't that amazing? Like God's saying, I'm going to bless you so much so that you can honor me. But you got to trust me first. But if you will trust me, I will bless you. It's also an amazing thing that God says, I'm going to bless you to sustain you while you honor me. So it's also saying when I bless you, don't spend it as fast as you can. I'm, I'm blessing you for a reason. It's a powerful principle if you think about it. Here we go. Verse 23. The land must never be sold on a permanent basis, for the land belongs to me. You are only foreigners and tenant farmers working for me. With every purchase of the land, you must grant the seller the right to buy it back. And if one of your fellow Israelites fails, falls into poverty and is forced to sell some family land, then a close relative should buy it back for him. If there is no close relative to buy the land, but a person who sold it gets enough money to buy it back, he then has the right to redeem it from the one who bought it. The price of the land will be discounted according to the number of years until the next year of Jubilee. In this way, the original owner can return to the land. But if the original owner cannot afford to buy back the land, it will remain with the new owner until the next year of Jubilee. In the Jubilee year, the land will be returned to the original owner so they can return to the family land. So how amazing is it to realize that you are always going to have an opportunity to get back what the Lord has given you. You may you have to earn it or someone may have to help you out, but you can always get it back. It's amazing. Verse 29, anyone who sells a house inside a walled town has the right to buy it back for a full year after its sale. During that year, the seller retains the right to buy it back. But if it is not bought back within a year, the sale of the house within the walls town cannot be reserved. It will become the permanent property of the buyer but it will not be returned to the original owner in the year of Jubilee. But a house in a village, a settlement without fortified walls, will be treated like property in the countryside. Such a house may be bought back at any time, and it must be returned to the owner in the year of Jubilee. Levites always have the right to buy back a house they have sold within the towns allotted to them. And any pr 
property that is sold by the Levites, all houses within the Levitical towns must be returned in the year of Jubilee. After all, the houses and towns reserved for the Levites are the only property in all of that they own in all of Israel. The open pasture land around the Levitical towns may never be sold. It is their permanent possession. Verse 35. If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and cannot support himself, support him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident and allow him to live with you. Do not charge interest or make a profit at his expense. Instead, show your fear of God by letting him live with you as your relative. Remember, do not charge interest on money you lend to him or make a profit on food you sell to him. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and be your God. If any one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and is forced to sell himself to you, do not treat him as a slave. Treat him as a hired worker or as a temporary resident who lives with you, and he will serve you only until the day of Jubilee. At that time, he and his children will no longer be obligated to you. They will return to their clans and go back to their land originally allotted to their ancestors. The people of Israel are my servants, whom I have brought out of the land of Egypt, so you must never be sold as slaves. Show your fear of God by not treating them harshly. However, you may purchase a male or female slave or male and female slaves from among the nations around you. You must you may also purchase the children of temporary residents who live among you, including those who have been born in your land. You may treat you may treat them as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You may treat them as slaves, but you must never treat your fellow Israelites this way. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Suppose a foreigner or temporary resident becomes rich while living among you. If any of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and are forced to sell themselves to such a foreigner or to a member of his family, they may retain the right to be bought back, even after they have been purchased. They may be bought back by a brother, an uncle, or a cousin. In fact, anyone from the extended family may buy them back. They may also be redeemed uh, redeem themselves if they have prospered. They will negotiate their price for their freedom with the person who has bought them. The price will be based on the number of years the time sold them until the next to the year next year of Jubilee, whatever whatever it would cost to hire a worker for that time period. If many years still remain until Jubilee, they will repay the proper portion until they received what they received when they sold themselves. If only a few years remain until the year of Jubilee, they may repay a small amount for their redemption. The foreigner must treat them as co-workers hired on a yearly basis. You must not allow a foreigner to treat any of your fellow Israelites harshly. If an Israelite, if any Israelites have not been bought back by the year Jubilee arrives, they and their children must be set free at that time. For the people of Israel belong to me. They are my servants whom I bought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, there's a lot of wonderful things there, but there's that one little hitch there at the end, isn't it? Where we look at that, and if we don't look at the overall context, and we also don't understand history, we could just be absolutely appalled because he actually says, God's Word actually says, hey, listen, you may purchase male and female slaves, and you may see them as the as your property, passing them on to your children as a permanent inheritance. You, you may do that if you want to. Now, our first thought is, especially if you live in the United States, is we immediately think, of pre-Civil War slavery in the United States, which was horrible, cruel, and harsh. Other parts of the world like that as well. But you've got to understand from the context. First of all, he doesn't say, I want you to purchase slaves. He's saying, hey, listen, you can. 
if that's your, if that's what you need to do, that's fine. Go, go ahead and do it. These are what you can do. So God is giving, is giving a prescription of what people are doing. So he's saying, if you're going to do it, do it this way. But he's not telling them, I want you to do these things. That's the first thing. The second thing is to realize that the idea of slavery, especially in this culture, was very different than the way we see it today. Now, you can see all throughout other places. You, know, you look at uh, the book of Exodus, and you look in the book of Deuteronomy, that there are a lot of rules set in place for master-slave relations to make sure that those who are in positions of authority do not use this as a way to exploit people. There are a lot of different things. This one that comes to the top of my, my mind right now is there's a place in the book of Exodus that says that if you have a slave that loses an eye, well, you must either compensate them or set them free. And so there was something very different that's happening here, even to the point that the reason why I wanted to read this first is in the last several verses, it actually says that if you get to the place to where someone who has now been enslaved to you can buy back their freedom, let them do it. So not only is there a lot of different things, but there's also a place where they're being compensated fairly for what's going on here. And so I want you to think a little bit less as the pre-Civil War South and think of it more as when you go work for a company. If you go work for a company, basically you are working for that person. You are serving the interests of the company because of what you get out of it as well. And so if you look at it in that way, you could say you are serving that company. Another word for serving is slave to that person, to that company. And sometimes maybe you feel like a slave to that company. But there's some similarities there as well. Now, it's not apples to apples, but there's a better similarity. When you see slave, you see someone who works for someone else. This is very common in the ancient world because, once again, people were just a couple of steps away from devastation. And if you didn't have anything to barter with except for a crop or a herd, and then you fell on hard times, you just starved to death. Or you could say, hey, you know what? I can't support my family, but I am a farmer. So I will come enslave myself to you. In other words, I will come work your farms so that I can eat from your produce and also get paid in that way from you. And so many times it was a wonderful thing. It was a way to, to support your family to, quote, enslave yourself to someone else. So you have to be very careful that God is saying, yes, you may purchase. You don't have to do all the work yourself. You can, you can purchase the rights to have other families work for you. You can also, it's okay if you want to hire their kids to work for you. It's okay if you want to keep them on and pass them on to the next next generation. So it's more of a, a working relationship as well and helping to understand the context of our time. But here, here's the thing I love about this, and that is that on the year of Jubilee, everyone is set free. The land is set free. God gives everybody a do-over once every 50 years. I love that about the Lord, that he says, you know what? You're mine. I have purchased you. You are my possession, and I make all things new. So no matter what mess you get yourself into, I've always got a way back. I absolutely love that. I think that that is a powerful lesson for us to learn even today. Anyway, I love this chapter. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I will see you next time for Leviticus chapter 26.